The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Another live episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, and we are um, recording live at IIEX in Austin, Texas. And I have Paul Gadet, who's joining me today, who's CEO of Dig Insights. How you doing, Paul? I, you know, I have been better. Yes. So I'm recovering from a cold. Okay. Let me just say, last week I was, I spent my time at Quirks in my hotel room with a stomach bug. That stinks. I still have a cold, which makes me sound absolutely horrible. Yes. But excited to be here. Yes. Thank you for making it. And we're talking about innovation. We are. We are talking about innovation. It's timely because so much of IAEX is about innovation and new tools, methodologies. And, you know, companies are really feeling the pinch of innovation. Not the pinch, but the opportunity, but also the concern of failure. I think, what do we say? Like 600,000 new products in CPG are launched every year. And 80% fail? That's a high failure rate. And when you think about even new businesses, they typically, you know, 600,000 a year start and 50% fail by year three, which is incredibly scary if you're a founder. I find myself lucky. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like, that's every time people ask, how's it going? I just knock wood. Yeah. Like, good. It's going well. So talk to me about what you're seeing. I mean, obviously, Dig specializes and has practices around innovation and some tools that you've built. Yeah. But what are you seeing as it relates to practices with your clients and how they're dealing with innovation? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, we've been around for 12 years. We have our own innovation software. We help clients a lot with their innovation uh, exercises and trying to navigate that whole life cycle. You know, I think, you know, we've talked about this before about speed and agility, of course, just absolutely critical now. We've seen, you know, when it comes to innovation, like you said, like there's so much pressure now to get out there and there's so much happening that you need to be out there first. But, you know, sometimes you're stuck in this, like, process for large organizations, either large stage, stage gate process. And so speed is absolutely critical. Agility is absolutely critical. I think, you know, the other part is that their clients are leveraging data a lot more now. And it's yeah. not just, like, survey data. Right. It's, you know, sales data, behavioral data, social data. They're trying to find those opportunities to actually innovate. So they're looking at, you know, how can we actually uncover those opportunities mm-hmm. so that we can come up with ideas on new innovations. And I think that's something we're seeing a lot more, yeah. too. And then I think the last thing, which I, everybody here can agree with, knows, and it's probably one of the reasons why most of the organizations are presenting, is that there's a democratization yes. of that insights function across the organization. And so empowering internal clients to be able to do their own research and speed up that innovation process. Yes. And they're looking at technology solutions to do that. And so that's, you know, we see a lot of those happening and we see an emerging number of companies here that are specializing in that. Yeah, and I think, you know, From our discussions, we've also talked about, like, you know, traditional companies, large companies had an advantage years ago. They had the resources. They had the, you know, the budget, the knowledge to launch products, new products. And now they're faced with these smaller, more nimble 
direct-to-consumer brands who have a pulse on the customer all the time. How do you, are they changing in terms of what you're seeing as it relates to trying to be more agile, trying to speed up the process? So, I mean, so most organizations that we deal with, especially large ones, yeah. they still have a, you know, a stage gate right. methodology. So right. they still have, they subscribe to the product development process, stage gate. And, but I think what they've done is really trying to shorten that time frame for what it takes to actually go to market with something. And so, again, democratizing, yes. uh, you know, allowing other uh, internal clients to be able to use software to get through some of these stages mm-hmm. quicker uh, is absolutely critical. They're looking at standardizing ways across, you know, yes. methodologies across the whole organization so that, again, speeding up that actual process. But you're right. I mean, larger organizations are now, they used to have an advantage because they had an insights function. They have budgets. Right. They could accept failure. But medium-sized companies now we're seeing, especially with like the emerging platforms and the cost to actually do some of these studies, they're doing a lot of iterative innovation. Yeah. They're you know getting feedback constantly and optimizing things before they go to market. And I think the coolest thing now is that we're seeing startups even come to us and, and say, hey, can we actually you know leverage a platform like yours to kind of get some consumer feedback? Whereas before they wouldn't have been able to do that. They you know go to friends and family and kind of solicit a little bit. Kind of, of qualitatively get yeah. the feedback. But yeah. now you're seeing startups actually do even more research. And so startups, medium-sized companies, large companies, it's you know really equalizing the playing mm-hmm. field. And so that's what makes the competition for even larger companies even that much more you know stringent. Yeah. The smaller, medium-sized companies are almost like innovation arms in the future for them, potentially, right? Because using their methodology and approach. Well, and it also speaks volume to our industry. It's vibrant, right? More people are doing research, especially in the innovation area, to reduce their risk of failure. Talk to me about customer centricity. I know we talked about it. I did a podcast yesterday, and I said, you know, internal kind of brand building is important to bring people along for an innovation life cycle, if you will. You're seeing clients, even hire people, that are solely focused on customer centricity. Share a little bit more about what you've seen with, you know, even specific clients that you've talked to about how... Now we're talking internal customer? External, external yeah. yeah. I mean, but I think there's both. I okay. There's internal and external. Yes. I, I kind of want to focus on both of those. Okay. So, I mean, external, absolutely. I think yeah. everyone's recognizing that they need to talk to our younger consumer base. They yep. need to be quick with their approaches. They need to get feedback quickly. And so they need something that can solicit that information really, really quickly and, you know, confidently. Yeah. So they're looking at robust solutions that are, you know, innovative, fun, agile, have great UX. Uh, and so there's, a, there's an element of that. that an organizational approach to soliciting feedback needs to be engaging. Sure. It needs to, be, it needs to solicit that type of feedback. But I think even internally, mm. you know, as we're talking about standardizing methodologies across an organization or taking on a new platform that to try to yeah. do that, you know, you having to get your own internal customer to yes. be able to leverage that platform. There has to be platforms that, are, again, focus solely on UX, an yeah. engaging experience that can give you that information, feel, make you feel confident in those decisions. And so there's a, an element of both managing the external customer, but also the internal customer when it comes to that technology platform. So true. I mean, and it's also shaping mindset, right? Because you could look at a set of data. We all know this. You could decide if it's good or bad, depending on your lens or your bias that you bring to yeah. the table. So it's, it's shaping the mindset both internal customers as well as your external customers and how they standardize their approach and look at the data. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of cut the internal debate, if you will. Yeah, you do. Right? You guys have spent a lot of time in terms of developing best practices around innovation, and your clients have done a lot of case studies. You know, what do you think the biggest kind of areas, or I would say trouble spots are, as it relates to 
innovation? Okay, I'll give you a couple. Okay. Does not have to be exhaustive. No, and I don't have it. But one of the big things I think is that you find that some companies kind of don't start with a strategy. They don't understand yeah. what it is they're actually trying to achieve with the right. innovation. You know, our marketing team is great. They actually did a podcast or a presentation that looked at some of the failures that existed. Yeah. Consumer product failures. You know, there was an example of uh, a couple that I thought were funny. You know, Cheetos lip balm. Yeah. They could have asked me that one. Well, okay, okay. So Cheetos lip balm, it didn't take off, fine. Yeah. But I actually Googled it today, and there's a, on Urban Outfitters, you can get Cheetos lip scrub. Is that right? It's, it has a one-star review. Okay. And it's just literally the review says no. Yeah. You know, there's a, another example, that, you know, Bic pens. Yes. had this, like, packaging. It's like Bic for her. Right. Like, Women can only use those pens, you know, like you know, there's certain things that it's off message. like, okay, what's your strategy? What are you actually trying right. to achieve? And I think starting with a strategy is absolutely critical for like any innovation. Yeah. Yeah. Consider who your innovation's for. Yeah. So, I mean, often, we, you know, especially with like some of our companies, they have to use specific methodologies to get broad feedback from a broad audience yeah. that they're never going to sell these products to. Right. So, you know, think about who you're actually trying to target and actually sell sure. these products. But on the flip side, there's also clients who are like, I need to talk to this very, 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 very niche customer Segment. profile. Right. Which you're then missing potential opportunities outside of that. So you need to understand, like, who could that actually innovation be for? And yep. think a little bit more broadly, but also not too narrowly. And then plan ahead. The market is changing so quickly that, you know, you're thinking about innovation. You're not going to have a product for six, nine months, maybe yeah. if you're lucky. Yeah. So what you got to think ahead. What's happening in, the, in oh, 6, 9, 12 months that your innovation going to be relevant then? Not necessarily yeah. is it relevant now. And That's so true. Those are some things you consider. Yeah. It's almost like you need multiple stages of teams that look 6, 9, 12, 18 months, and they all work independently to some degree to understand and anticipate change. Yeah, what are those trends? What's right? happening? Are what's they, happening? Uh, what's the consumer changing? Yeah. yeah. So you guys have built a platform. It's called Upside. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it because I know it relates very closely to helping clients with their innovation. Yeah. God. So this platform started out as just a very, very simple way to test ideas. Yes. We are tired of five-point scales. You know, we, technology is a, has evolved where people are using their phones in new and uh, in intuitive ways. And we just took very much a methodology of swiping and trade-offs and turned it into a, a test for, you know, testing innovations. And that really evolved into a full innovation platform that is a DIY platform that clients now use on their own. Okay. Or we actually productize uh, elements of that and service our clients using that platform. It's got built-in analytics tied to it. It's got really intuitive you know, user experience, and the dashboarding is fantastic. Booth 216. Um, <laughs> a demo. And it's, it's just a really quick, intuitive way to assess innovations. Okay. And, and I think the focus, because the reason why we did that and spent you know, a lot of time on that was we knew we needed to be in technology. Mm -hmm. We knew that technology was going to be a key segment of the industry. We had a really compelling, differentiated approach and, you know, clients were looking for a really interesting, new, and innovative way of testing ideas. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, it just kind of naturally evolved in a, into an offering that now some of our clients, you know, Panova Card, for example, mm -hmm. they're using it as a global way to test their new products. That's amazing. And they were able to standardize that across the organization. So give us an idea of, like, how many products, that, how many ideas are they testing? Okay, so I can't give you like Don't, not exactly. I'll, I'll tell you some other clients. Give, give, some, yeah. I mean, it ranges. Okay, but you know, one global clients—they've already tested like four thousand ideas in the wow. last year. Okay, they've done over you know probably one hundred and fifty upside studies within the last six months okay. across different markets. So they're using it quite routinely as part of their process. 
And then others will use it a little bit less frequently. They sure. might not have as many innovations that they want to test. The interesting thing about large organizations, and I'm sure you know people here have noticed it with their clients, is that it's not necessarily just new innovations. Right. Like, okay, Cheetos lip balm yes. may have been just someone thought of right. that. It was like, this Let's is put it on the gold. List. Yeah. Gold. Put this on the yeah. list. Put it right through. But some other organizations are looking at, hey, that one's successful in Brazil. How can right. we maybe lift that and actually ship that over to the Take U.S. To market, market or the Canadian market? How is it going to do? So they're, they're using some of those innovations from other markets and trying to understand how does it work. And our platform is really unique because it actually tests things in a competitive context. So it's not just, hey, just in isolation. Random you know, idea. Yeah, like right. This? It's saying, are you going to like this relative to everything else that exists now? Are you going to choose it versus what's available today? Yep. And so that's a, an interesting approach to understanding that lift and shift strategy. Very cool. And it's great that these large companies have adopted the platform globally in yeah. some cases, right, to test their ideas. So let's talk about, I mean, since you guys have been working with clients and helping them with concept screening, let's do a little bit of, you know, things to consider when you're trying to validate an idea or kind of reject an idea, okay, right? Well, I wrote down some notes for this. Okay. There, there's some few that we, uh, we definitely need to look at. I guess the first one was like, you do one test and you're like, oh, it bombed, it's done. Yeah. Right? What do you say to that? What do you tell people? Oh, okay. And this is great. This is why I love working with alcohol clients too. <laughs> Not just because it's alcohol. Alcohol, yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of innovation. Okay. And the innovations that they're doing, they're not looking necessarily for those home run winners, yeah. right? So yeah. when you do like a... I don't know, we used to do it all the time, like a you know traditional concept test. You tell them what the top yeah. two box score is. You relate it to a norm. You try to tell them how, what your score is. But you know, it's something like in our platform, we have a lot of niche opportunities. We can identify niche opportunities. Right. right. It's not necessarily broad appeal, but those who like it, like it a lot, a lot of passion for it. And so, you know, with alcohol companies, they're looking for those incremental wins. They're not right. looking for like the, the major... Yeah, because yeah. they already own those right. ones that are in those... They don't want to cannibalize it too much. Yes. They want those incremental wins. So, you know, what I'd say is, yeah, don't reject the idea just because you got a bad score. Right. What's driving that score? And is there actually some passion around that score mm. that you're just not identifying that might be something that could actually be launched and gain a lot more momentum than something else. Right. You know, and the flip side is you might have a really great idea and people really, really love it. But when it's compared to something else, they're not choosing it. That's still a problem. Right. You know, you don't go to a shelf and then pick a whole bunch of different things. You go to a shelf, you make a choice. Yep. And so not all ideas are actually gold ideas either, even if the scores think they are. Right. So we talked about, you know, errors around potential innovation approaches, and that is maybe your strategy is too broad, it's not defined, you know, what do you think about, what do you consider when you're talking about launching a concept and you're testing it among one segment and maybe not the entire audience? I think that speaks to a little bit of what you were talking about, like don't be too narrow, don't give up too quickly, Yeah. and keep, if you feel passionate about the concept. Well, yeah, and I think it goes back again to kind of traditional concept testing yes. methodologies. Like, yeah. It's like, we can compare this against our norms because we do this with the same audience every right. single time. That's not who I'm selling to. Right. So, you know, you need to kind of figure out, like, is there an approach that actually helps you understand whether or not this is going to be successful against who you're looking to sell against? Yep. And I think a lot of times we miss that. We just kind of give some scores and give some direction. Yeah. Say, yeah, in general, it's, you know, it does okay. But you know what? Amongst this group, it does really fucking well. Right, right. So, you know, we need to focus on Focus that there. Yeah. Got it. How about... KPIs. It's a big one, right? We are so, you know, with in the world of data and trying to be objective and not bias, KPIs are important, right? But when you're innovating, picking the wrong KPIs could be 
a major problem yeah. because you might be looking at a great idea, but your KPIs might be wrong to measure its validity or its you know potential future impact. Yeah, I mean. There's KPIs from a research perspective yeah, yeah. that obviously help to understand whether or not this is a successful sure, product, but yeah. I mean, when you don't have KPIs in an organization that has sales, R&D, yeah. finance involved with understanding what is going to be a successful innovation or a successful metric to put it into that next stage, yes. uh, that your stage gate approach, then you're losing the sight of what it is you're trying to actually right. achieve. And sometimes, the, you know, you can't say it's the same KPI across all innovations. Like, there has to be a, almost a tailored approach. Right. And that's what we've seen with some of our clients. Like, you know, some things will be, you know, shelved because they don't get certain scores right. on certain KPIs that they have. But you know what? This strategy was not the same as that last mm -hmm. innovation. Or, you know, the purpose of this was a little bit different. So it should have different KPIs. So that's, you know, if, I love those organizations where there is a collaboration across those different divisions and yeah. they're coming up with ideas on what is, how are we going to measure success on yes. this? Because then they can tell us, this is how we're measuring success. I'm like, okay, from an insights perspective, we will at least take care of that part. Right. Of it. And then, you know, curious to find out what, you know, as you go through that process, whether or not it's beating those other KPIs. Yeah. And I, and I guess that also folds right back into the democratization of the information as well. Yeah. Everybody can look at the data at the yeah. same time to really understand the context of those KPIs. And that's it. If there's some clear, I mean, so if there's clear communicated KPIs, right. then somebody internally can do a test, yes. see the results, and see whether or not it checks a certain box for them on a certain KPI right. and move that forward versus, you know, sending it off and make sure someone else looks at it yes. and get something else validated and they, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. If it's clearly communicated, but they also need to be right. Right. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Let's talk about methodology. I mean, there's a lot of platforms. There's a lot of cool places people can do their own research, yeah. some of which include some advanced methodologies, some of which don't. Yeah. Talk to us about methodology as it relates to... Content. Yeah. I mean, so sometimes you can go a little overboard with the surveys and methodologies and approaches when yes. you're testing like an idea. Right. You know, you don't necessarily need to have a full-blown concept all the time just to test a simple idea. Yeah. In fact, we did, you know, we had did the research on research. We had one cell where it was just text of a certain idea. It was okay. actually uh, promotional ideas for QSR sandwiches. Okay. Sandwiches, by the way. Yep. Tasty and delicious. <laughs> and we actually did another cell where we tested the actual ads for each right. promotion. Yeah. Pictures, everything, the like juicy descriptions, etc. And they performed exactly the same. Really? Yeah, it lined up exactly the same. Okay. And it was very interesting for us because we're like, you know, you don't necessarily need to have that full-blown concept right. before you want to measure whether an idea is good. Like, yep. an idea is an idea, and people can tell you whether or not an idea is good. You don't have to have so fully introducing blown. Right. this with a full sentence and all this information so that someone can be like, no. Mm -hmm. No, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Someone just to swipe on Right. Something. So, you know, go in with the idea of, hey, keep it simple if it's for a, a simple study. Right. As you start getting you know, beyond that and you start fleshing out an idea, you want more yes. detailed feedback, absolutely. You need to provide a little bit more information. But just remember the context of what a consumer is answering this right. or when they're going to buy it. They're not going to go on a shelf and start reading like all, all the marketing jargons. Right. So you can get some deep dive information on that and, and understand what's driving some of that appeal. Right. But in terms of choice, yeah, you got to keep it simple. You got to yep. keep it very easy to understand. And I find sometimes we go, in, especially in our industry, we try to shove so, so much, much into a study right. and try to give like so many different types of answers that you just end up getting different, like right. weird answers. Right. They just don't even make sense because yes. it's just they're all over the place. Or you're saying the same thing 10 times. Yep. 
yep. versus just, hey, if it's a simple study, keep it for a simple methodology. If it's a more complicated one, yeah, you're allowed to go a little bit more complicated. And talk to us a little bit about, so, the, you know, we talk about upside as it relates to the concept screening and understanding which concepts works, but you have a whole other arm of DIG, yeah. DIG Insights, that also helps in managing the innovation yep. cycle. Can you talk a little bit about that as yeah. well? So, I mean, we've always kind of been tech focused. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have our own internally built analytics tools that all that similar to how you know democratize right. the data for the insights function. We democratize analytics for our company. So our company analysts, managers, they use our own analytics tools to get those data visualizations to understand those analytics. Right. They can actually then and not analyze the actual information, which is really I think different. It eliminates a huge bottleneck with our analytics team. Yeah. So yeah, we've been focused on trying to get that out to everybody mm. and, and it's worked really well. I can't remember the rest of the question. What was the rest of the question? I think, you know, once the concept is validated, yeah. there's different steps of the process in yeah. which you might help clients, okay. right? Okay. Yeah. Right. So going back to that, <laughs> told you I got it in the head. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's the foundational aspect of it. Yeah. So yeah. So Dig is a, is a consultancy, right? Yeah. We, you know, we started 12 years ago. We did much more higher end analytics trade-off methodologies, conjoint, discrete choice. We are talking you know, to companies around much more business metrics, cannibalization, source of volume, that type of information. But at the core of it, we provide you know, clients with a foundational understanding of either their consumer or their market, and yep. do segmentations and use and all that type of stuff. We do those innovation, understand those innovations early stage. We help with optimizing innovations as well. We help with tracking that innovation. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to, we're filling the gap a whole, across that whole innovation lifecycle, not just with the platform itself, but with exactly the other the research other, solutions, the other research solutions yeah. that we have through our consultancy. So we've identified our own, in our, you know, the whole innovation lifecycle where we need to fill some right. gaps and offer some different services. But at least the, we have a platform that we can actually kind of help us, you know, fill in those gaps and, and kind of more things onto that platform to help with that. So you also have embarked on your own innovation cycle internally, yeah. right? You're making a pretty significant bet on this platform and I guess other trials as well along the way. Just share a little bit of your journey about how that worked and what were some of the lessons that you took away from that? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the lesson is it's costly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Dig is a, uh, we've a, we bootstrapped this company for the last 12 years. And so any significant investment is significant for us. Yes, you, know, you feel it. We feel it. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it. But we're also, we also like taking risks and big right. bets. So Upside, which again is now a SaaS offering platform, we actually had hired somebody to create it as a, an installed app on your phone. So you could go to the App Store. We actually called it Upside because it couldn't be called Dig. Right. We had to come up with a new name. You could download it on the App Store. You could sign up to be an Upside person that would test ideas. Yep. And it got so complicated because now we're managing a panel and now right. we're managing incentives and yes. now they, we got to keep them engaged and keep giving them ideas and what yeah. if we don't have the clients that come in and actually give us a anyhow scrap that and that was like that was a half million dollar yeah. investment that we just said forget it yeah. we're starting from scratch we had the you know the bones of what we wanted yes. now and now we decided to build it internally instead. So that's pretty cool, though, because a lot of people don't stop, yeah. right? They say they put five hundred thousand in, and I got to figure out how to make this right. Versus, let's start from scratch and let's—it's a blank slate. Yeah, for I mean, there was a number of reasons why we couldn't necessarily make it work. Just in terms sure. of how the markets changed, right? You know, we had right. to think ahead and say, right, what are we going to do? Update every time yeah. we have an update, we're going to update on everybody's phone, right? So we made a web app instead, and it would just it lend itself to more flexibility. And there's a lot of internal like. Shit, are we just going to, yeah, are we actually going to take the hit on this? Right. Yeah, we're going to take the hit on this. Yeah. And Any last parting words you want to share about innovation? I think having the conversation around innovation and just 
seeing, and that's just the thing I love about coming to a conference like this, you see so many uh, companies that are trying to yes. innovate um, and differently, and yeah. in different ways. And you know, so if you do get a chance, go walk around and see some of these uh, companies doing great things. A lot of technology companies, a lot of automation. Yeah. We're all kind of heading in a very similar direction. Totally agree. Which is really interesting. And and so much of it is about the people part of it. It's change management, right? Yeah. It's the tools. I think are quite robust, and there's a lot of application. But it's about changing the mindset and saying, yeah. okay, I got to embark on this journey, both on the client side as well as the vendor side. Like, how do I how do I change the mindset? Well, to clients. I mean, that? so the clients that we work with, I told you before, I yeah. want that standardized approach. It's the same questions we're getting now, even at our booth coming yeah. by, saying, "Hi, hey, I'm." I'm now in charge of trying to standardize something across the organization. Do you think there's something that you can help with? Yes. Like, yeah, this is exactly what we can help with. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what the next few, few years look like for, for this industry especially. It's very exciting. And I think the other thing that we talked about, it's exciting in that insights is being used more and more. Like we think about our industry and, you know, so many people are concerned like, are we dying? Are we? Yeah. But the reality is, is that data and insights is being used more and more to fuel these decisions. Yeah. It's just a different orientation of how we think about it. Yeah, I'm, and I'm really excited for those startup brands who yes. are now able to do that research. Yes. Because they have great, cool, yeah. different products. And it's keeping the large organizations on their toes. It I is. Think that's, uh, I think that's cool. It's a great time to be an entrepreneur. It is. And actually, being an entrepreneur, can you imagine how much risk it was for somebody to start something without any insights? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so I had, a, I had a, an old friend of mine. He was in California. He just did a Kickstarter campaign on a air freshener, a smart air freshener. Yep. So, you know, you get an air filter in your furnace, whatever, you take it out, it's cardboard, you got to throw it out, you yeah. got to try to shove it in your, in your garbage, which it never fits. <laughs> he made a reusable, you know, outside with the inside, you just pull and throw it away. Yep. And it's a smart aspect to it where it detects the air quality, and so it automatically sends you a replacement. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, but he beta tested it. Right. He actually had to solicit a ton of feedback from consumers. Not necessarily in the same type of approach like sure. that we offer, right. but he did his own yes. market research. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to see entrepreneurs now saying, I need some feedback, yeah. I want to iterate, I want to innovate, I want to make it relevant, yes. and can you help me with that? And I think we're seeing more and more of it, and I, it's exciting. It is exciting. And investors are looking for it too. They definitely want to see what the feedback is and the receptivity is in the marketplace for new sure. ideas and products. Thanks so All much, right, thanks Paul. Take care. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation we are agile and quick to meet your needs visit paradigmsample.com today thank you for tuning in to data gurus podcast this episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to head over to www.datagurusspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.